we can't wait to be back together and to celebrate and to party. So the church is meant to be a taster of the future kingdom to come. That's what you do if you're a pastor. That's your, that's your job description in the Bible. Welcome once again uh, to the amazing series of What is Church as we explore that big question with different guests. Uh, and today I'm really excited to be uh, welcoming uh, someone who you're probably very familiar with, um, definitely a person that we've all experienced and seen and, and preached. He's preached uh, here in the UK, but also around the world. Um, he's one of the senior pastors of Soul Survivor. He's been recently given an MBE for all of his amazing work with um, youth around the nation and beyond. Um, and also recognized uh, recently, uh, I realized on, on, his, on the website that he's also a canon as well. So not just a reverend. Uh, it's none other than Mike Pelavachi. Mike, thank you so much for joining us. It's great to be with you. Great to be with you. Um, thank you so much for, for taking time out to, to be a part of this. The, the, where we're kind of starting, the reality is, is that, you know, the reason we're meeting in this fashion um, is because we're in the middle of lockdown. Um, so how have you been journeying it? What has it been like for you and, and your church um, during this strange and weird time? Uh, it, it, it is a strange and weird time. Um, so the, the honest answer is we're doing our best to, to pastor and look after our church through this time. Uh, but it's a bit like flying an aeroplane through cloud, blindfolded, and you're not quite sure if you're upside down or not, um, <laughs> and whether you trust the instruments. And so, because um, uh, we're a fairly large church, in a sense, it's much harder to keep to keep tabs on everyone. So we're relying on, you know, connect groups in the week and various other groups and um, obviously, our live stream on the Sunday. We do a little podcast every day, Andy and I, a little bit of teaching, and we write to everyone. But you still don't know, and I think it's it's up and down for people. I think we've detected the last week, week and a half, has been hard for many people. Mm. I think as the realization has dawned that it it still is a bit of a long haul, although there's things opening up. You know, we're not going to be able to get together all as a church for a while, we don't think. Mm. And so it's trying to encourage everyone as much as we can, trying to look after those that are vulnerable, making sure loneliness is a big issue, anxiety is a big issue. And, and it's the question that I'm sure you're, where you're asking, we're all asking is, how much do you address those things without it seeming that we're talking about the negatives all the time? Yeah. Uh, and yet, the negatives are true to lots of people's lives, but also there is the the other truth, which is God is good and he is near and he is love and we can trust him and all of that. So like everyone, we're learning as we go. Absolutely. That's amazing. And, and, and I'm sure one of the things that you guys are, are thinking about and praying about, I know a lot of the conversations, you know, across churches is, 
what does it look like not only to do ministry and, and, and pastor, as you said, during this time, but also what does it look like when we can gather back up? Um, I think there's, there's kind of mixed ideas in one sense. One view is, hey, we just go back to what we've done. <laughs> you know, we, we go back to meeting the way we were because it, it worked and we, we want to get back together and gather. But then there's others saying, actually, there's, there's a strength and a power in doing what we've been doing. But has this time not maybe reshaped us to think about doing things differently? Um, I, and I wonder what that means to you. Where, where has your, y'all's thinking been to, uh, is there a change afoot in terms of how you gather, in terms of what is church for you moving forward? Uh, I think I'd be right in the middle of that argument, um, that discussion. I think, first of all, none of us knows. Mm. None of us knows. Secondly, if there's one thing that this has said to me, it's that doing church over the internet is definitely not better than doing it in flesh and blood. Mm. Um, definitely not better. We will continue to live stream our services for those who are on shifts or or who are too ill or for whatever, a housebound, whatever reason, and others. Um, but we can't wait to be back together and to celebrate and to party. So I don't think it means we won't be doing services as such. I don't think it means we'll carry on like this. Everyone's hating it. Not hating it, but it's, we, people, everyone says we miss, we, we have a little hello uh, at the beginning of our services and, and everyone says missing everyone. Yeah. I think one thing that we might do when we go back is, is try and make more space for more people to take part in, I mean, everyone takes part, but in a sense, you know, even over the, our live stream, um, you know, we've had a section where where different folk in the church, um, about 15 every Sunday, just say hello. Mm-hmm. And it's like, it just moves me. I was in tears last Sunday uh, watching it, and they just give a, a tiny little message, just 15 seconds. Um, and how do we continue that? Because we're a largish church. Yeah. Um, also, um, it made me made us realise again. We knew it the importance of connect groups or home groups, um, because that that's that's where it it matters. Um, also, um, just how we look after each other, and we look after the church outside of Sunday services. Um, and we were doing that to a degree anyway, but I think one of the things that we're passionate about, we're even more passionate about, which is church as family. Okay. And we need to do this relationally. And so lots of opportunities for people to connect, for people to help each other, for people to serve. And um, I mean, we, we discovered an amazing generosity in these times. Mm. Um, which, to, if I'm really honest, has shocked me. Um, okay. Why, um, why, why uh, has it shocked you to have such generosity? Why do you think that's been a shock? Well, first of all, the financial generosity. Uh, when, the, when the lockdown started, we were saying, hey, obviously our giving's going to go down. Mm. And it'll probably go down significantly. People are being furloughed. People are losing their jobs. A lot of people who have businesses their businesses are going to the wall. They're struggling. Obviously, people won't have money and they'll be worried about the future. Easter Sunday, 
um, we did a special offering on top of our regular giving for a hardship fund for those in our community that we find out are struggling. Mm. The church gave 18,000 pounds. Wow. Yeah. And then the following week, the following Saturday night, I had a, a message from a friend of mine. She and her husband lead a church in South Africa. And she just sent me a message on WhatsApp. She, that she used to be in that church. Mm. And she said, this is killing us. There are people starving. The refugees, because there's a lot of refugees from other African countries in South Africa. And she said at Point Road, which is this terrible area in the center of Durban, um, you know, we, 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 we've, we've come across people that haven't eaten for days. There's families that are existing on sugar water and there's little children begging for food on the streets. And she said, we don't know what to do. The need is vast. Um, and I just couldn't sleep that night. So the next morning, I just said spontaneously, look, you gave amazingly last week, 18,000 pounds. And it was on top of the regular giving. But this has happened. I just heard from Becca. This is the situation. If anyone would like to give so that we can help starving people in South Africa, then could you give into the church account and name it? Or would you believe they gave £20,000 <laughs> for that? Which I was thinking maybe two, three hundred pounds. Um, they, I mean, the money just poured in. So twenty thousand pounds has gone to feed families that were existing on sugar water in South Africa, and over eighteen thousand pounds to help people in our community who are struggling. Mm. And you know, the, the giving is 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 holding up pretty well. And not only that. But every Saturday morning between 10 and 12, um, uh, we have folk at, the, where, at our church um, to collect food for the food banks, mm. for the food bank. And seriously, you know, I can't remember how many kilos. I think it was 150 kilos of food was wow. given last Saturday morning. And I know people are struggling. I know people ha haven't got the money, but it's just brought out this amazing generosity. Mm. And we want to build on that. And yeah, and just find ways how we can release the whole church to do ministry the whole week. And that, I mean, and that sounds amazing because it, it, it sounds in one respect, you know, we, as Christians, we go to, to scripture for what is church and, and that the, you know, the birthday of the church is that Acts 2 church. And as we go through Acts, though, we see this, you know, selling of your own possessions and giving towards, um, you know, the people, the, the body of Christ. And it sounds like that's something that you guys are, are seeing more and more of um, in terms of th that generosity to just give and support. And, and I guess I, the, the question I have is, you know, if, if, if church is family and church is that, that body of, of giving and generosity... How do we get there? Um, you know, because I, I would say some watching might say, you know what, Mike, you've got a big church, so actually those are big numbers, but we're a really small church and we can't do that. Or, or vice versa. Actually, we're a really big church, but we're not getting those numbers. How, how have you gotten to the point where those who are, are part of your fellowship and your church don't just give out of a, out of a need to, but give out of a desire because actually they, they believe in church being family and that unitedness? What, what, what characterizes that for you guys? 
Well, we've been we've been trying to have that as as one of our core values uh, for a few years now. So we've taught on it, we've modelled it, we've tried to um, we we've kept going on and the importance of grace and uh, we want to be a church where it's okay not to be okay, knowing that it's much harder to implement in a church that's quite large. Mm. Um, and what we've we've seen is we're we're a family of families, and for small churches, it's exactly the same principle. It's exactly the same principle. So after our morning live stream service, we've discovered I, we didn't sorry we didn't suggest this, but after the morning live stream services, connect groups they get together as soon as the service is over for virtual coffee. Amazing. So they just they just chat about what what they would do when they had coffee after the service. So everyone's sitting there and, and they're just having, you know, 30 minutes and, and that's it. And it's like, oh, wow, that says that it's gone deep. Uh, people are cooking for each other and leaving things on people's front doors and um, things like that. And, and I think um, it's, first of all, what you just said, the end of Acts chapter 2, um, that's what church is. When the Holy Spirit comes, everyone devotes what devotes themselves to the apostles' teaching, to prayer, to breaking of bread, and to fellowship, and they sell their possessions and give to anyone who has need. And they gather together, you know, all the time. And, and that's not just for, for religious meetings, but it's also to party. It's also to celebrate occasions, and, and it becomes, it's a long-term thing. Whether it's a big church or a small church, I think it's about being intentional. Number one, we teach it. This is what the Bible says. Mm. Church is family. It's all over the scripture. Number two, in the leadership, we model it. So if, if you know, if I teach it and I'm not living it, then no one's going to do it. Yeah. And I, I, we've, we have to model it. And then we have to keep encouraging it. You know, what you celebrate, you replicate. So we're going to tell stories of, you know, there's these connect groups. They're meeting for virtual coffee after. You know, guys, you gave £20,000 for folk you didn't know. Thank you. You know, that means so much. This is what so-and-so's doing. Uh, let's interview so-and-so um, on the live stream. It, it's, it's, it's doing that, and it's being consistent. And then it's providing opportunities where people can connect. And I think it, very much part of it, it's not just having people having lots of meetings, but it's having people going deeper. And we need to give permission, people permission to go deeper. Um, because I think we live, if I could just say this quickly, sorry, I'm going on a long time. No, it's on great, Mike. Thank you so much. We live in, we live in a world where, it, where, they, it, it, where there's so much shame, secret shame. And, um, and we live in a world where, you know, people have said um, uh, this generation, this younger generation, has no concept of sin. A friend of mine said recently, that's not true. If you look at social media, 
they have a great concept of sin, a huge concept of sin. What they have no concept of is redemption. Wow. So someone gets something wrong and they're finished. They're slammed. Someone did something 37 years ago, and when it's discovered, they're shamed, they're, they're out, they're, they're finished. Um, the Christian gospel mm. is a gospel of redemption and forgiveness and second chances and third chances and fourth chances. And so we want to teach that, but model, we want to be a church where it's okay not to be okay. So we as leaders have to be prepared to be vulnerable about our own questions, our own doubts, our own failures, our own struggles. And that releases, because when, when we do that, folks say, you see my colleague, Andy Croft, who I lead the church with, um, he, he's always been a high achiever. You know, he got a first in theology at Cambridge. He's a genius, everything. <laughs> And then about four years ago, three, three four years ago, um, he, he started for the first time in his life getting anxiety attacks. By that stage, he had two children and trying to do everything perfectly mm. and succeeding at everything when you've got two little children is, it just, and he started getting anxiety and he had to have time off while he dealt with it and he got counseling and, and all of that. When he came back, he preached, and he did what I, the first bit. I knew he would do this. He researched thoroughly, and he he talked brilliantly on what the Bible says about anxiety, what psychology says about anxiety, and then, to my amazement, he said, "And I'm not talking about this as someone who's through it. I'm going through it right now." Wow. And he said, "The cause of my anxiety, I discovered, is." I've equated success with love all my life. So I've always pushed myself to be successful and failure equals rejection. And I couldn't keep going like that. And he said, the honest truth is before I got up to speak, while we were singing the last song for the offering, I was sitting there and I was thinking before I got up to speak to you, if I don't do well, they won't love me. He said, so I'm not talking as someone, I'm through it. It's not theory. A few minutes ago, I was full of anxiety. If I don't speak well, they won't love me. And do you know, I was like, at first I was horrified. That, what are you doing? And then do you know, the next few weeks, we had so many come and say, that was such a relief. If he could be honest, I can be honest. If he could say about his struggles, it's like, I'm not the only one. Mm. And over the time, we've been creating a culture where people can, be, can say about their hidden shame and know that they will not be rejected because we're all broken people. So it's, it takes a while mm. to get there, but you, you have to know what the prize is and you have to, it's a marathon, not a sprint. Yeah, no, that's amazing. And I, and I think, I think that's really so important because I do believe, um, you know, I, I didn't grow up in a Christian home myself and, and, and I've came to faith in, in the States and, and that moment of being able to recognize that you can open up and share um, and not be judged. 
Um, and equally, unfortunately, there, there, there is, um, there has been a, 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 maybe a part of the history of the church where people have seen the church as judgmental and, and negative to the point where they can't yeah. be themselves and open. Um, and so that's a real, I think, you know, if I'm hearing you rightly, part of, part of what is church is, yeah, being that family, but it's being an open and honest family, um, which is a challenge possibly for all of us, really, in, in our own families might be, not be as open and honest, but, but we have to encourage that, that openness. One of the things that you said earlier as well, which I, I find really interesting, is that it's, it's not just about gathering for um, you know, biblical reasons or, or scriptural times, but, but you use the word to, to party together. Um, do you want to unpack what that looks like and what that means in terms of you know, being the church? Well, um, I think we, we are called, you know, the church is meant to be a taster of the future kingdom to come. And, and what is the future kingdom going to look like? A party. It's going to be a celebration with the lion of the tribe of Judah who appears as the lamb who was slain right in the middle. And um, the parable of the prodigal son. You know, when in the father's house, when the older brother came near the house, he heard music and dancing. Mm. There was music and dancing in the father's house. There is rejoicing, says Jesus, in heaven over one sinner who repents. Um, uh, in Zephaniah 3.17, it says, uh, he, the Lord, will rejoice over you with singing. And if you look at the Old Testament, God instituted celebrations regularly throughout the year. You know, the songs of ascents, Psalm 150. Mm. You know, praise the Lord with everything that has breath. You know, praise the Lord. And they would celebrate and they would party and they would remember. And we have the king among us. We, mm. we, we celebrate, you know, we celebrate that um, the, the pearl beyond price. Um, and, so, and so we're called uh, to, to practice what what Richard Foster calls the discipline of celebration. So what we do is we'll have, partly because I love food, but we'll have food. We're known as the church that eats a lot. We eat together. And and because that's a fellowship thing, um, we celebrate people's achievements. Um, We have have a couple of um, home groups, connect groups, which are recovery groups for folk who are recovering from alcohol addiction or drug addiction or gambling addiction or, or pornography, whatever it is. And um, I'll just give you an example. I was told before one service um, a while ago by one of the leaders of one of the recovery groups that there was a lady, I'll call her Alice, um, and that day was the first anniversary that Alice was alcohol and drug free. Mm. And so in the notices, she didn't have any warning. There were, there were 700 people in that service before we split into two morning services. And I said, we celebrate people's achievements in this church. I said, Alice, stand up. And she stood up like, what's going on? And I said, I want you to know that this is the first anniversary today that Alice has been alcohol and drug free immediately the whole church started clapping and cheering and they wouldn't stop. 
And I looked at Alice's face as she just heard the cheers of her church family. And it just went on and on. And here's the amazing bit. The following Wednesday, I had an email from another lady in our church. And she wrote, you will not believe this, but on Sunday, I brought to church for the first time ever my stepsister. She had never been to church before. And when you did that for Alice, she turned to me because she was, you couldn't have known this, she is seven months free of alcohol abuse. Wow. And when you did that and everyone was cheering, she turned to me and she was crying and she said, is that what you do in your church for people like me? You celebrate people like me. And I want to shout out loud and clear, yes, we do. Mm. That's exactly what we do. And that's what it means to be a family, to be, you know, in a, in a nuclear family, when it's someone's birthday, everyone celebrates. When, when, when someone passes an exam, you celebrate when your kids do well at their GCSEs or their A-levels or whatever it is. You, you celebrate milestones. Well, we should be doing that as a church family. Um, and, and, and that's the joy of being family. Mm. We, you know what Paul says to the Romans? Rejoice with those who rejoice, weep or mourn. Weep with those who weep, sometimes translated mourn with those who mourn. Mm. And we're called to do both. Absolutely. I was about to say, because I think there is that sense of being able to party and, and, and celebrate with people. But actually, if we're being family, if, if we're being you know proper and open and honest, and even in those difficult times, we're going to come alongside each other in those rough moments as well. Yeah. It's amazing. And, and, and have you found that, I mean, obviously, you know, it was 1993, I believe, that, that you, you started Soul Survivor with, with 11 other people, um, I believe. Yeah, um, yeah. How, how long, you know, how, how did you guys maybe hear from God that actually that was going to be part of, of what you felt was going to be on your heart to, to create a space where it's okay not to be okay, to, to, to do life as family? And how long has it taken to, to get to that point for you? Oh, gosh. You know what? The danger of getting old and looking back is you can sanitize it all and dress it up and make it look. <laughs> the honest truth is we didn't know what we were doing. And, and what it was was I was the youth pastor, the youth worker at a, a church in a village near Watford called St Andrew's Chorley Wood. And um, I just noticed that there were loads of unchurched teenagers who were completely unchurched, for whom church culture was alien. And it broke my heart. And, and it was like, why don't we try and reach out in Watford to, to you know, do, do church in their culture? Mm. And so there was 11 including me when we started. Oh, wow. And I remember we didn't have a clue what we were doing. And so it was like, well, where are the kids? They're at school. Oh. Why don't we write to the head teachers and see if they'll let us do an assembly? And three or four of them, crazy that they were, they did. <laughs> and then we started a cafe for the teenagers that was free with karaoke and um, music and um, game, you know, all sorts of stuff. And they came and we got to know them and we listened to them and we served them and they started telling us their problems. 
And then they started saying, you're Christians, aren't you? Yeah. You, you meet on a Sunday, don't you? Yeah. Could we come? And they started coming. And because we'd made the relationship, what we did is we built a bridge from us to them. We walked over the bridge to where they were, and then we walked back with them. And I can say that now as a very, we didn't know that. We, it was, we didn't know that. And lots of it has been, you know, I could write two books. One would be um, all my successes and all my wonderful insights in leading a church for 28 years. I could write another book that would be probably a little bit bigger, that would be all my failures and all the messes I made and all the mistakes mm. in leading a church for 28 years. And, um, and the truth is, there's a bit of both. And we did it as a team. And we, we didn't articulate it at the beginning, but we did do it as family but it was instinctive and it's only more recently that we've thought actually we need to work out we need to um, not work out but we need to articulate our theology for this and our practice for this because that which is instinctive for us might not be instinctive for other people absolutely so that's what we've been working at because you have to communicate values and you have to be um, intentional about creating a culture. Mm. Um, so that's it. So most of it was by accident, to be honest, and lots of mistakes. But I think, I think with that, though, and kind of drawing on one of the things you said earlier as well, is that you're in, in creating an atmosphere which is family-based. There is a lot of grace, but that grace is also offered not just to people who are visiting, but uh, but also to each other. You know, as 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 a yeah. team and as a family, you're stepping in, going, "Hey, we're going to try something. It may fall flat on its face, but hey, praise God, we're going to move forward in it." And yeah. I think that's very special and, and quite unique because um, that's not necessarily always the case in in, in every place of work and not not every church either, unfortunately. Yeah, no, that's right, that's right, and and. Yeah, it has to start with us. And and the last, certainly the last 15, 16 years, I have been working with my best friends. You know, they're my family, the team. And I love them. We love each other. You know, with Andy, for example, you know, we're joint senior pastors. So we need to agree on everything. Everyone said that, that will not work. Um, but it works wonderfully. And we love to prefer each other and cheer each other on. And we have very different gifts. And, you know, his, uh, you know, I'm single and living on my own. And since last Saturday, they've adopted me um, into their family. So I, I spent yesterday afternoon with Beth, his wife, and their four little boys, you know, reading stories and playing Thomas the Tank Engine and, you know, all of that stuff. I just loved it. I just loved it. And that's what we do, mm. not in order to say, oh, we're modeling this, but that's because I, I couldn't I couldn't do it any other way now. Um, 
And so, and it's the same with, with, with others on our team. That's awesome. And I, I have to ask a question, um, which the, the opposite side, I guess, maybe those who are a little bit more cynical, um, who might look at it and say, well, actually in, in doing it with your best friends, are you isolating those who maybe don't see the way you see or agree with, with your specific view? Um, have you have you ever found that tension or that rub in, in saying, actually, we're going to move forward in family, and that means that we can agree, um, but that means that we can also disagree, and how do you navigate that, that journey? Yeah. Oh, well, first of all, um, um, it's not that you choose your friends and you just do church with your friends. It's whoever you do church with, the command is they've got to be your friends. And so you make friends. It's good. You know, the, awesome. the new commandment I give you, said Jesus, that you love one another as I have loved you. Yeah. Uh, and, and, and this is, this is, as an, this is one of our greatest evangelistic tools because then he says in John 14, um, by this will everyone know you're my disciples if you love each other. Mm. And so it's a command. It's a command to love. It's a command to have deep relationships. Um, and, and, and so on our leadership, we will disagree. But we disagree and everyone's secure because we're committed to each other. And it's like in a family. You know, if you, if, you, if you have a disagreement in your family, you're not suddenly thinking, oh, I disagreed. Is dad going to throw me out the house? You know? Yeah. Not unless it's a very dysfunctional family. <laughs> and, and, and so we'll disagree, but it's like, well, of course we will. And that's wonderful that we do, because that shows that everyone's saying what they think, and, and we, we come to a place. So I think in leadership, you, you have to love and serve everyone. That's what you do if you're a pastor. That's your, that's your job description in the Bible. <laughs> but you've also got to lead. So what we'll do is we'll listen and we'll take note and we'll certainly listen to criticism. Always. You must do. The moment you stop listening to criticism and saying, is there anything you want to say to me, God, through that? That's the moment you've lost it completely. Mm. Um, but at the same time, we have to be bold enough to lead and not just say, we're going this way because I say so. But we say, hey, let, let, can I just unpack? Can we just unpack our process, why we're doing this? And that takes longer. There's an African proverb. If you want to go fast, go alone. If you want to go far, go together. And we want to go far. And so that means sometimes going slower. So, for example, we're, 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 we're doing a building thing. We're expanding our building. And we took great care, great care to, over a long period, explain to the church, go through it with them, go through all the alternatives. We had um, meetings, about six or seven meetings, um, where as pastors we were there and anyone could ask questions or raise objections mm. and we, that was the purpose of the meeting so no one should feel bad and we went through all that and you know what they gave they gave one million seven hundred thousand pounds on the gift day 
Wow. And they did that, and there was virtually no dissent. I mean, certainly there was no dissent, but we had we had virtual 100% agreement because we took time to listen, to explain, to get feedback, and then to come back and answer. And sometimes it would be like, you know what, that's a really good point you made. We might need to look at that again. We'll adjust that. Yeah. And and that's what you do in a functioning family. You know, you, you know, if if dad's always saying, um, I've decided this, we're all going to Mallorca, and the whole family wants to go to centre parks, and dad says, I'm not even having a discussion. I want to go to Mallorca, we're going to Mallorca. They'll all go to Mallorca, maybe. Maybe. <laughs> maybe. <laughs> but they won't be very happy. Yeah. And it's like you can't you can't do it like that. That's not how a um, a good family works, yeah. and that's not how a good church family works. At the same time, there has to be leadership, so we have to be bold. Amazing, bold and humble. Bold and humble. And and with that, Mike, thank you so much for for all your time. You have really given us loads to think about. Um, as, as the church as a family, um, the grace that comes with that, the openness, the honesty, um, you know, what is church? A, a place where we can be ourselves, knowing that we can step into the presence of God and, and hold each other up and pray for one another. Uh, that's been absolutely fantastic. Before we wrap up, would you be able to just pray for us and anybody who might be watching? Yeah, sure. Okay. And Father, we thank you for your love for us. We thank you that you showed your love practically. You came. You, you, you sent Jesus. You came in the form of your son, Jesus. And you took our pain and you took our sin and you took our shame and you took our brokenness and you took it to the cross. But you rose from the dead. And now you're seated, Lord Jesus, at the right hand of the Father. And we, your people, worship you. And we want to worship you with our words, with our songs, but also with our lives. So I pray for everyone who's watching this, whatever day it is, whatever hour it is, wherever they are, Lord, may they know your love. Holy Spirit, would you come right now? into each heart and open the eyes of our hearts that we would see the length and breadth and height and depth of the knowledge of your love, your love which is beyond knowledge, that we may be filled with all the fullness of our God. And we pray this in the wonderful name of our Lord Jesus Christ. Amen. 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 Thank you so much for joining us, Mike. My pleasure. Great to be with you, folks. Thank you. And, uh, yeah. and thank you to you as well for joining us and watching and, and being part of this amazing series, Exploring What is Church. Do be sure to give it a like and a share and pass it on to anybody who you think might want to hear more of as we continue to explore. But until next time, whatever you get up to, stay blessed.